0: I'm Elijah. And I'm Ruby. And welcome to Rough Edges.
1: Guys, right, welcome back to Rough Edges. We are joined by Beck Stillin today, it's a very special guest. Um, and just before we get into it, really, we were inspired by Bex and her podcast um, called Conversations on Faith and Equality, and so she's basically the reason why we started the podcast. So it was so good to like get her on board, um, and she's got a lot of wisdom and a lot to say. So I'm quite excited about this one. Um, so just to kick into it, really, do you want to like say who you are, what you do, and yeah? Um,
2: Um, Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honour to be on the podcast. I've listened to some of them, really enjoyed them. Um, Yeah, so I I live in Brighton. I'm married to Miles, and we've got three kids that are six, four, and two, all quite little. And um, I trained as a lawyer and have done like lots of different sort of charity work. um, But then haven't worked for the last four years, have mainly been looking after my three kids. And then, but then two years ago I started. This podcast conversations on faith and equality to try and kind of yeah talk about faith and equality so yeah that's a bit about me really
0: so from what age did you become a christian
2: so i my dad is a vicar like church leader and he has been like my parents have been involved in church like leadership for all my life so I sort of grew up in the church so I feel like I haven't really had a time where I like haven't known Jesus it's kind of like church and faith and God have been part of my life kind of forever but I guess there always comes a moment where you're like do I believe this because this is like what my family believe and my friends believe or do I really believe it and I, I feel like throughout my childhood, I had lots of moments like that, where somebody would tell like an amazing testimony and be like, okay, no, this is, actually, this is like really real. I really want to live my life like this. So I feel like I had quite a lot of moments like that where I'd be like, oh, I've got a bit kind of complacent and a bit interested in other stuff. And then I'd kind of hear a talk or hear, often it was actually just people's stories. My, my dad traveled a lot with his kind of work, job in the church. So, hearing people like all over the world tell kind of similar stories about Jesus, about the impact he's had on their lives, but such different contexts, I think that I would be like, I can't, I feel like I'm never going to be able to not believe because I've just seen it all over the world with people's lives being so different. Yet the way they talk about Jesus is the same, whether it's like we went into, we've been into like prisons in Africa and we've been to like, you know, nice places on like the coast like in California and um, Singapore, Malaysia, and just like hearing people's stories all over the world. And there being this like thing about Jesus, I feel like I could never sort of not believe that it was true. I think when I was like um, 19, I moved to Italy and I lived in Italy for two years and I was kind of away from um, church, family, any kind of, influences telling me this is how you have to live your life this is how you have to be and then it felt like i had to sort of be like okay what what am i choosing for my life that's like genuinely my choice not because it looks right or people are telling me to and so i think like, i feel like faith was always there and believing in god and feeling like this is real but probably then i was like this is also how i want to live my life i think i have kind of but yeah, I feel like I had a lot of moments, I didn't have one. Mm. I kind of sometimes envy people who are like, I didn't believe it and then I had this wham, amazing moment and then I did after that. But for me, it's just been a kind of constant journey.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've traveled a bit as well. Like, um, so you live in Italy, what made you go to Italy?
2: I think, um, I feel like I've often wanted to like, not just follow, I don't know if you see people just like go down this route, it seems like the same and driven by the same sort of things which don't feel that exciting or yeah so I kind of just wanted to be a bit different I think so all my friends were going to university and I was like I'm not going to do that I'm just going to go and live in Italy and do something different but I'd always been interested in the kind of development work and and felt like I needed to have a skill like if you wanted to go and live in another country and work for a charity or help people in some way I felt like I needed to do something so I decided to like learn how to make clothes basically so I went to a fashion school but it was more the kind of actual like tailoring rather than the sort of design with thought like if I can have that as a skill then I could go and live somewhere and um yeah make I can teach people how to make clothes and make things and that provides income and work and opportunities. so that was sort of the reason why I went there And then I just love living in Italy because it's a beautiful country.
0: And because you've traveled so much and had so many different experiences, did that kind of influence your decision to make a podcast on faith and equality?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think um, I feel like I've seen a lot of different, I've seen a lot of poverty. I've seen a lot of kind of injustice. We lived in India for two years and sort of worked for an, organized, an anti-human trafficking organisation where women and children were being trafficked and we were tr- kind of working to find where they were and help them be kind of rescued and then prosecute the traffickers and help the women and children to sort of find work and return home. I think seeing some of those things, I think there are so many sort of injustices in the world and i feel like my drive has often been really my faith being like if we believe in god and we want to live like jesus we should be always trying to do things to care about the people that are most marginalized on the edge most kind of mistreated in society but i felt like often how society kind of views um some issues it thinks it sort of sees church and religion as the oppressor sometimes like that they're the ones telling you you have to do things in a certain way and judging you and making you feel ostracized. But I feel like my faith and seeing people all over the world doing things for, like, because of their faith, but fighting for real injustices. Thought I want to sort of talk about some of these things and think if we're, like, driven by this desire to be like Jesus, to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, then surely Christians are going to be so passionate about these issues, but why is the perception that they're actually the ones who are the most judgmental? So how can we kind of change some of those images of how Christians are, but also if there are people in the church who haven't realized that they've just kind of got set in a certain way, or they think this is how you have to be, or these are the sort of people that we want to be around and spend time with. How can we kind of break some of those, kind of ideas within the church I think it's easy to get stuck in you need to be a certain way and be friends with certain people and that's how kind of you live out your faith but actually that's like a huge world of Christians who are so different and who follow their faith differently they don't all listen to the same music do the same thing you know follow the same kind of pattern so how do we change some of the kind of cultural habits that we can take on which are purely cultural and not like to do with faith
1: yeah and that's that's so interesting because i think i was talking with someone the other day about how um politeness could be seen as christian like being that's the qualities that you should have as a christian but really like um there's other countries that i don't mean, i guess they've been limited so all they have is the bible so all they know is if i wanna if i wanna live like jesus this is how i follow it which is in a way that um you know they've got they've got it right because we're here yeah oh if I say please and thank you then I'm being a Christian or something whereas they live into like how the bible like or the bible says um I don't know I think that's really interesting um and yeah um so equality seems to be like quite a big like passion of yours is there a reason why or what made you really interested or yeah why why yeah why
2: <laughs> um there have been quite a few things I think the like earliest thing that made me really think about it was when I was like 13 or 14 and my parents were doing a conference in Hong Kong for sort of church leaders and I was like great I've heard that Hong Kong's got like really cool like markets where you can get really cheap clothes like kind of you know off like designer stuff that's gone to the markets over so I was like I'm gonna get like really cheap clothes and I was like it's probably hot so I'm also gonna get a suntan and that was kind of like what I was hoping for this trip and um, I was like well my parents are working that's what I'll be doing and we got there and um, someone called Jackie Pullinger I don't know if you know who she is she's done you know lived in Hong Kong for since she was 20 and she's now in her 70s always working with drug addicts and she was like I'll arrange your time. Me and my for me and my brother, she's like, I'll arrange the next few days for you two. And so she sent us to kind of all different things, went to like old people's home to pray for people and spent time with teenagers who had been like heroin addicts and talked to them and their kind of life story and did lots of different things. And then she arranged for us to cross over the border into China um, when it was still kind of a much clearer border between Hong Kong and China. And spend the day there and we met up with like four boys who were probably a similar-ish age to me at the time maybe a little bit younger and they had one pair of flip-flops between the four of them and we kind of walked around this area and they'd switch so they'd like walk a bit and then they'd hand on the flip-flops to the next one and they'd walk a bit and we went to one of their homes and it was like this kind of just shacks lined up and went into this tiny tiny little hut where like four different generations lived in this hut and, you know, slept on the floor and it was just tiny and they cooked us, like, they wanted to give us a drink so they made, like, hot water with sugar and that was the, like, drink that they gave us, like to really, like, give and be kind to us and I think I left that thinking, oh my gosh I, like, been thinking about, so selfish in the things that I care about, like clothes and things like that and these like, they have one pair of shoes between four of them and live in, like, such, like, basic kind of poverty. And I think seeing that, I remember, like, coming back from the trip, thinking, I don't think I'm ever going to, like, enjoy things in the same way again. I feel like I'm going to always be changed because I've seen how other people live. And I think that experience really, particularly at that age, really impacted me and made me think, there's so much inequality in our world and just from like the wealth and the poverty and so to see that I thought I really want my life to be about somehow in some way I don't doing something about bringing some more equality in the world yeah Mm -hmm. and
0: from like listening to your previous podcast episodes I think I was listening to your first one quite recently Um, I was just making sure I did my research. (laughs) Well done.
1: Um, um,
0: I think you mentioned that you're quite passionate about women's rights, Um, and the question I have for you is: How do you think we can make men and women more equal in society?
2: Mm, I think that's such a good question, and I think there is lots happening that is like really positive and lots like so much has changed so there's like this mix of like oh look back to how things were in the past and you know women couldn't even ride bicycles or like wear trousers you know we've made loads of progress we can vote there's a mix that I think I do feel like there's still a lot to go and I think um, some of the barriers now are more subconscious in terms of how women are treated whether it's like in going to a job interview, whether if you've got like a man interviewing a woman, whether but he's also interviewing another man who seems similar to him and who kind of is the kind of guy who he would like to go for a beer with after work, you know, those things I think do impact um, decisions and the way that women are treated. So I think part is trying to like bring more awareness in where are biases are and where we are treating men and women differently I think that's like one thing but I think I think it's always going to be a a kind of ongoing struggle like we can I think we have to continue to fight for different rights and fairness in terms of like being paid the same you know being given opportunities the same but I think it's we're going to have to keep assessing how we view each other and how we treat each other in order to try and make sure that there's a kind of equality in that and I think I feel like I've got to a new stage in being a mum and that creating a whole like another sort of issues and someone sent me a message today saying well I don't feel like valued as a mum in the same way and people don't want to they want to talk about other people's career but they don't want to talk about the fact that I'm a mum and it's like then that comes another sort of thing of how men and women can get treated differently and the impact that that can have. So I, th- I feel like it's a constant, like checking ourselves, checking how we speak and treat each other and, and hopefully through realising where there are things that aren't quite right and changing them, things will get more and more equal.
1: Mm, mm, yeah. Hopefully. yeah, yeah. And there's lots of like um, bigger like issues of like equality saying like the workplace and this sort of thing. Um, how do you do it like in like home terms sort with of like your marriage and your kids and is there any like practical ways or anything you've put in place that's maybe different from the world?
2: Um, I have to admit that I feel like we are working at it <laughs> and it's a constant sort of, yeah, working how we do that. So today is like an example of how my my husband is like trying to, because his Instagram like handle is attempt at equality, so he's like really wants to make there be more equality. But then the reality of like when I stopped like wasn't working after our second child, we could see these like roles like fit like we were fitting the stereotypes. He was going out to work. Uh, he would like come home and I'd be like here's your dinner like, I've cooked it for you I fed the kids and how now here's your dinner and I've cooked for you and I've made our beds and I've put your clothes away in the drawer and I was like oh my gosh I we're like fulfilling these stereotypes these roles is that okay do I need to like not cook for him just to try and kind of come against something I feel like we're, we're constantly working it out so now he's like every Friday he's gonna not work and I'm going to try and work and do things and he will like look after the kids and we're going away tonight so he's like trying to pack the bags which I would normally do and do things to try and like do some things that have kind of naturally fallen to me being the mum but I don't know if we've got it totally right and it's constantly kind of challenged but I feel like I've realized in having kids it's changed it like before we had kids it felt quite equal and actually at times my work was more dominated where we lived and what we did than his did having kids did change it but I think we've got a lifetime of marriage so there will be times where I will like be kind of more at home and and he'll be like pursuing his career but hopefully there'll be other times where he'll be like doing more with kids and I will be more pursuing my career and to not do things just for the sake of it but believe like it is a partnership and I think that I do feel like we genuinely have a partnership and we have equal power and um, voice in the marriage so even if every day he's out at work and I do the cooking the cleaning the, the like washing the childcare, as long as I feel like empowered that I'm that we're kind of equally valued in that, then I think that gives equality. But when when that, that kind of goes a bit wrong, then we have to kind of work on it again. But we're always working on it, fighting on it. The other day I said, you're always sitting at the head of the table. I don't mind sitting at the head of the table because it's as though you're saying you're the one in control of the family. Let's sit opposite each other. (laughs) So now we sit opposite each other (laughs) with the kids. (laughs) So I was like, I don't want any of this. Like, you're the one who makes all the decisions. Let's make the decisions together.
0: What was it like being the fastest kid? Um, Especially with, you know, your dad being quite a figure in in the UK and abroad,
2: how Have you managed to deal with that? Yeah, I think um I always really like meeting other pastors' kids because I feel like there's something of like an understanding <laughs> what it's like. And I think it has been, it's been this mix of like the opportunities and the experience, like something saying the places that I've gone and the people that I've met. I know I wouldn't have had any of them if it wasn't for my dad. Like, we wouldn't have been able to meet people, Christians all over the world and see kind of amazing projects, ministries, people. So that has been like a huge blessing. But I definitely at times have found it difficult having my dad in that position, feeling like people in the church suck up to him or they suck up to me to get to to him. And
1: that's happened.
2: Yeah, definitely. I feel like people have, treated me in a different way once they've known who my dad is or they kind of have um tried to sort of make friends with me in order to get a kind of in route to my dad to my parents and I feel like I'm I having kind of grown up with it I I sort of see it quite quickly and it can I I feel like it can create a sort of reaction in me so I have to work that out I'm like I can see what you're doing I know what you're trying to do (laughs) this is not genuine but trying to like not be too too reactive to just do that I feel like that's been one thing and then feeling like a bit of pressure like I have to be a certain way and I can feel sometimes when people say if I'm like somewhere at a church and they're like, oh, that's your dad. Oh, what's it like having him? I can feel this like, yeah, it's really great. He's an amazing dad. He's an amazing church leader. He's an amazing church. Praise the Lord. Everything's perfect. And it's like, I've got to put on this kind of perfect performance, which it doesn't really come from my parents. Actually, it comes more from just seeing everyone look to them and everyone and feeling like this reflection. If I, if I screwed up, will that ruin their kind of career and what they do? So I think I have definitely felt that pressure of being kind of working through how to do that. Like it doesn't trying to not worry so much what people think and do what I feel like is the right thing to do. Like when I got my first tattoo, I mean, it's like, it's a dove of the Holy Spirit. So it's not like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't feel like it's like a huge rebellion. And, And now so many people have tattoos, but it was like 14, 15 years ago. So,
1: um, i mean i was gonna say about all well, over the past is kids thing um sometimes if sometimes i hold back whether i say it or not or sometimes i like say it because i don't know um uh sometimes it's like a conversation starter, and it can provoke some people if they've just been like you know like, oh i hate church or whatever and like, well, actually, like it's that sort of thing or you hold back being like people are gonna think that's not my faith is because of my dad or this sort of thing
2: yeah.
1: i think it's yeah. quite interesting um yeah just thinking about it really
2: um, yeah it is true it's like as soon as say if people ask like what's your parents doing and, like, my dad's a vicar then it's like it kind of opens up the conversation straight away whereas if he was like I don't know didn't have that job you didn't necessarily like you would could avoid or not talk about faith for a bit but it's like gives it like straight in yeah
1: it's a yeah it's a good like entrance into like talking about it um and you mentioned you were a lawyer Um, you started to be a lawyer um, because I know I think your auntie and your dad was a lawyer, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what made you, was it their influence? You really enjoyed like their work or their, I don't know, how did you become a lawyer?
2: Yeah, I felt like it was, even though it's like been in my family for kind of generations is what everyone had done. I didn't really think about it at all. Um, it was only when so I went to India like initially and lived in a home for girls who had been trafficked and it was a kind of aftercare home for them. And while we were there, we did a trip, traveled from like the north to the south, like 72 hours on a train. It was, it was probably one of the like worst experiences, absolutely boiling hot. And they made a mistake with the ticket. So we had six, six teeny beds on the train for 12 girls. Oh my anyway, that's like a side of the story. But we got there and it was like a kind of camping trip for different homes for girls that had been trafficked. We did like ab sailing and like walking through rivers and stuff. And it was amazing. Like most of these girls had like either gone from their village to a red light district to like an aftercare home and they hadn't really experienced anything else. And suddenly they were like ab in their saris down these waterfalls. It was really cool. But the people who had organized it, they were American and he was a lawyer and he was he'd been really involved in getting all of these girls out of prostitution. He'd gone into the brothels. Most of the cases, he'd actually been the one leading the police into brothels and finding where they were underage, where they'd been trafficked and getting them out. But he it was because he was a lawyer that he was able to make sure the case was really strong that then so that the police could do the rescue so that then all the traffickers and brothel owners could be prosecuted so they could be in prison so if the girls wanted to go back to their village the trafficker wasn't living next door to them so that if they went back home they were going to be trafficked again so it just felt like it was really breaking the cycle and when I like heard that I I was like right I want to be a lawyer because I want to have the skill to be able to like fully break this cycle so that's what kind of Got me into it. And then after I qualified, I went to work for a similar organization in India. But ended up like my legal qualification helped because I felt it was like really important to know how to make sure the case was strong because you don't want to go in and actually they say, well, we don't think that they're underage or we don't think that this is trafficking. So we're just going to leave them. We're not going to take them out. But making sure that it was a strong case so that they could get a conviction, really, as well as helping. The girl to be kind of out of it and free and able to start her life again. So that was sort of what made me want to do it, seeing what they'd done.
1: And yeah, maybe just like a final question. Um, is there anything that, well, our podcast is called Rough Edges. We're going to ask people, like, how, how are you rough around the edges? And is there anything that we can take away? Um, and I think that like you're imparting wisdom I think if no one listened to the rest of this podcast what should they take away
2: oh that's such a good question I love that I think I feel like probably the sort of talking about pastors kids I I feel like there can be a sort of pressure sometimes within church to be like the or, or from the outside it can look like if you're in that you have to be this kind of perfect shiny person but say that actually the like beauty of the roughness is is what is the best thing is like the people that are struggling with different things or find life difficult but they have this like faith that gives them a real strength or people who have had really awful experiences in their life but like their faith has kind of made them start again and I think for me i really struggled the last like lockdown I found really yeah. difficult and I found it like hit kind of Loathe mentally, emotionally. But I feel like part of that, like when you go through hard times, there is something that's kind of rough about it, but it does sort of like refine you on the inside and strengthen you on the inside. So even if you feel a bit more vulnerable or not quite so perfect, like you've got all the answers, but sometimes the kind of inner like strength and peace gets stronger and firmer. So I think. That is kind of the beauty is actually the kind of the roughness, the stuff that's not quite right. That isn't sort of perfect, doesn't fit in every mold. Is like actually kind of the beauty of God's world that everyone's different. Everyone's got their struggles, but particularly if we can like see the goodness and the best in people, then we, it feels even more powerful yeah. than if they're perfect on the outside. That's,
0: that's a- a brilliant answer
2: yeah
1: i love it <laughs> yeah, that's great <laughs> you yeah. um, should be on the podcast every time <laughs>
0: <laughs> well um thank you yes um for coming on rough ah, edges
1: thanks for having
0: me and um yeah just i think people being inspired by what you like to say about equality so, and your life up to now so yeah mm. thanks
1: Thanks, guys.